have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them. Remain standing and turn with me to Mark chapter number one. Mark chapter number one. Uh, and while you're turning, is anybody curious about what God did last week? I'm going to let you know next week. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, here, here's the number from last week. This is what God done for us. $490,543, which is 1,226 churches. Our goal was a thousand and God just said, watch me, watch me. Now, not only that, but, uh, for our faith promise missions each, each week, uh, uh, is 6,000. This is a, this is a 19% increase from last year. $6,197.38. Let's give God praise and glory right there. I'm telling you what, every song went just, just perfect for today. Amen. We are celebrating God is good and he is faithful. Say that with me. God is, and he is, he is faithful. All right. Mark chapter number one, Mark chapter number one, I went back and looked, uh, and, and this is back in July, brother, brother John, back in July, y'all know we started the book of Mark this year, right after uh, I got back from the sabbatical in June, and uh, at the end of July, we left Jesus in the Jordan River at his baptism, how many of y'all remember? Uh, and I think it's about time to get him out. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we're going to try, we're going to try to get Jesus out of the river. Amen. Mark chapter number six. We, we, now, now let me just give you a brief review uh, of the book of Mark. Mark, Mark's gospel is a little different than the other gospels. Mark is fast paced. It's quick. It's quick. You're going to see uh, him talk about Jesus in the wilderness being tempted, but very briefly, just boom, boom, boom. Not like the others. The others explain the temptations and, and the, the response between Jesus and Satan, but Mark doesn't. That's not his, that's not his goal. He is wanting to get a fast pace. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. You'll see the word immediately a lot. You know, this happened and then immediately that happened and, and then that happened. It's like a little kid coming in from something out in the yard trying to tell his mama what happens. Amen. That's Mark. And so that is kind of, uh, that is kind of how we're going to, we're going to do it. All right. We're not going to, we're not going to, uh, jump around too much. We're going to try to stay with the pace that Mark gave us here in his book. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. Mark chapter number one, uh, Jesus is beginning his ministry. Uh, he has come, he has come to the Jordan river. Uh, he is baptized by John. And we learn that this is his inauguration, if you will, his coronation. Uh, this is him being presented to his people. He is being presented to his people as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the, the king that has been promised. Uh, God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Somebody say amen. And this is where we find ourselves. This has just taken place. This has just taken place. Verse number 12. Verse number 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. And immediately. Immediately. There's that word. Right after that. Immediately. The spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days. Tempted of Satan and was with the wild beasts. 
And the angels ministered unto him. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea where they are fishers. And Jesus said unto them, come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Went after him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being good. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for being faithful. Lord, thank you for being right on time. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our friend. Thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. Lord, I pray that you'll bless your word today. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room, every single person at Fairview, every single person watching online will understand that you are a wonderful Savior. And God, I pray that your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. Lord, don't let me forget anything I need to say. God, we'll be careful and and, and Lord, we'll do everything we can to give you the praise and you the glory and you the honor. You're the only one worthy of praise this morning. God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I was studying this, I was, I was wondering how the Lord wanted me to present this particular section of, of the gospel and the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I begin to, I begin to think of a song, uh, that if you grew up in church, you probably have heard this song, Oh, What a Savior. How many of y'all heard that song before? Oh, What a Savior. Once I was straying and sin dark, somebody say amen. Lord, have mercy. If I could sing, I'd bell it out for you right now. Oh, what a savior. And I, I, I begin to look at Mark and, 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 and see how he is describing the savior that we have. If you go back, if you go back to Luke, I, I don't do it now for the sake of time. Uh, Luke chapter number two tells us about our savior. It says that they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. But the angel said unto them, fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Why? And what are the good tidings? For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a, a, which is Christ the Lord, a savior. That word is, is the, the word soter. It's the Greek word soter. It means a deliverer one or one who saves. One who saves. Now, now why is the word savior so important? Why, why should the word savior mean so much to us? Because if there is a savior, that means there is one that needs saving. And if there's one that needs saving, there's something he needs saving from. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? 
There is something he needs saving from. And what did, what did, what did God tell Adam? The day that you eat of this fruit, the day that you disobey me, the day that you rebel against me, the day that you sin, ye shall surely die. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The fear of death, we've been in bondage our entire life. But the Savior came to deliver us from death, to deliver us from our condemnation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. For God so loved the world, John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen, he that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. That means when you were born according to David, he said in sin did my mother conceive me. According to the word of God, we were all born in sin. We all arrived condemned. We all arrived broken. And we all arrived needing saving. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we need a savior. And that angel, that angel proclaimed that night on the sides of the hills of Judea. I got good news, good news. You're in condemnation, but there is a savior. You're in a bad way, but there is a savior. Oh, what a savior. What a savior. Look what the Bible says. Look at your notes at the top of your notes in 2 Timothy 1.10. It says, but is now, is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished what? Death. First John 4, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the of the world. Oh, what a Savior. Three things I want to share with you real quickly. It'll just take a minute. It'll just take a minute. Three things that we see in these few short verses that we read, we see a savior, a savior. He has just been coronated. He, he, he has just been, uh, exalted. He has just been, uh, glorified and bragged on by his father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This, can you imagine, can you imagine the glory of this event? I mean, John Baptist is in the water. Jesus is in the water. Uh, he puts Jesus under and Jesus comes back up out of the water. And all of a sudden, uh, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove and lights upon him. And I mean, what a glorious event. What a glorious event. You would think there'd be time to celebrate. You'd think there'd be time to, hey, let's have a baptism party. Let's celebrate this event. Let's celebrate the presentation of Israel's Savior to them. But no. The Bible says that he was filled. Now, now keep in mind, you got to get this. If you don't get this, you miss everything. He is human. We need to see Jesus in his humanity. Jesus. Now, now I, I need everybody to pay attention real quick because don't get your theology from Hollywood. Okay. 
Don't get your, don't get your theology from God. What do you mean? I, I've seen, I've seen movies about Jesus and Jesus is this little toddler and a butterfly lands and breaks its wing and it's all crippled. And the toddler Jesus touches the butterfly and heals him. And that, that's. That's Hollywood. That's not Bible. Well, preacher, no, 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 no. You don't understand. He was all human. He set aside his privileges and his prerogatives of God. Yes, he was all God, but he lived his life just like you and I had to. He never performed a miracle till after this point. Not one single miracle. Because he never performed a miracle in his own power. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was in this moment that the Holy Spirit came upon him. I need you to understand that. Listen, I, we see the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in his humanity. So now he is full of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? It means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so what does the Holy Spirit do? It drives him into the wilderness. It drives him into the wilderness. He is being led by the Holy Spirit. He is, he is submitted completely to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit leads the, the Son of Man, if you will, describing His humanity into the wilderness. Now, first of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to see, I want you to see the Savior and His might. His might. Now, what's the point of the wilderness? What's the point of the wilderness? Now, I, I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, I use my imagination. Does anybody use your imagination? Now, using your imagination is not always good. It got me in trouble several times in my life. But this is a time you need to use your imagination. And when I think about this, I think about this. I read my Bible and it is, it is a story of good versus evil. And anytime you have a, a, a movie or anytime you have a story, a novel or something, if, if there's going to be a plot, if there's going to be, you have to have good and evil. You have to have a villain and you have to have a hero. And so, so if it, we know the villain, amen, we know the villain. And if he, he, the human the man, the incarnate God in human flesh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If he is going to be our savior, if he is going to be the hero, then he's going to have to be able to beat the villain. Are y'all with me? If he's going to be the king, he's going to have to be able to usurp the power and authority of the former king, the God of this world, the one who stole it from that. Somebody say amen. So we got to see if he's got what it takes. Are y'all with me? And that's exactly, that's exactly what this is in the wilderness. That's exactly what we see right now. The Holy Spirit is leading the Savior into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted, to put him up against the villain to see if he has what it takes to be our Savior. Say amen. Now, let me give you a picture of the wilderness. If y'all got them up there, uh, we, we've got pictures. 
I, I, I just wanted you to see. I just wanted you to see what it is. When we use the word wilderness, I want you to know it's wilderness. There's nothing there. We see, we see rocks and sand. And, and, and Jesus, this, this is the wilderness that Jesus was in. By the way, this is not just an image. This is, this is it. We took pictures of this. And when you go to Israel with me, you'll see this in person. Ain't he handsome? Oh, Lord. I, it's hot. It is, it is unbelievably terrible out there. According to, according to Mark, there's scorpions. According to Mark, there's wild beasts. There, there is things that he has to contend with out here. You got to understand that there was nobody with him. He was alone. There was nobody there to encourage him. There was nobody there to assist him. There was nobody there to help him. Are y'all with me? He drives him into the wilderness. He's alone in the wilderness. He's alone in these bearing sands, wandering around for 40 days. 40 days with no food to eat. And this is what I want you to see. Two things. I almost added a third thing, but it's too much like the first thing. So we'll just go with the first thing. What did he overcome? Now we're sticking with Mark, right? We're not going into as much detail as the other gospel. We're sticking with Mark. What does Mark say? Look what he says. He driveth him into the wilderness. So what does he overcome? He overcomes his environment. He overcomes his environment. He's by him. He's by, like I said, he's by himself. There's nothing there. There's nothing there but wild beasts. I was going to put the word elements too, but that, that's too close to environment. So we'll just stick with environment. And, and now imagine this. The first, how, how many of y'all know Jesus is called the second Adam? The second Adam. The first Adam comes and he fails, right? So God sends the second Adam. The second Adam, Jesus Christ. Now watch. The first Adam is in a garden. The first Adam is in paradise. The first Adam is in a perfect environment. The first Adam has the company of Eve. The first Adam has everything he could possibly want and he falls to temptation. He fails the test. He is defeated by the enemy. Then we see Jesus, our Savior. He comes to this earth to be tested and tempted to stand against the villain, our enemy, our adversary. And he is not in a perfect environment. He is not in a perfect situation. He does not have the company of a helpmeet with him. He is in a barren wasteland all by himself with no food to eat. And for 40 days, 40 days, and he overcomes his environment. Now, what do we want to apply? How do we want to apply that? How many times have you heard people say, well, I am what I am because what I grew up around. Are y'all with me? I'm just a product of my environment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell you, you have a savior. You have a savior who has overcome his environment. 
And you have a savior who I don't care if you grew up in an alcoholic's home. I don't care if you, you listen, you grew up in a crack house. I don't care what your, your atmosphere, your environment was. You have a savior who has the power to overcome the environment and has the power to get you where you need to be no matter where you come from. Oh, what a savior. He overcome his environment, but then he overcome his enemy. He overcome the enemy. And I'm not going to go into detail. You can go study the other gospels. You know, you know what he did and how, how Satan tempted him. And by the way, Satan didn't tempt him to, to give up his, his deity or give up his, uh, uh, power and his glory and his honor. No, this is what Satan wanted him to give up his humiliation. The word calls it his humiliation. In other words, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't selfishly hold on to his form as God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The devil came to him and said, listen, you're God's son. What are you doing hungry? Turn these rocks into bread. Quit being in this humiliation. Go back to what you know you are. Tried to shortcut the plan of God and the will of God. And all Jesus would have had to do, and he could have done that outside of the Father's will. But then we'd be in the same shape we were in before he came. But he overcome. Say amen. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying our Savior has the ability to overcome his environment and his enemy. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. You can't say the devil made me do it because there's one greater than Satan that's with you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And by the way, this wasn't the first time that he had been tempted. He had been tempted by Satan his whole life. And, and, and this wasn't just three temptations. Some people have said it's three temptations. He was tempted the whole entire 40 days in the wilderness. And by the way, it wasn't the last time he was tempted. The Bible said Satan fled from him for a season. And by the way, just because you win today doesn't mean you won't deal with him tomorrow. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He overcome the enemy. You have a savior who is mighty. You have a savior who is powerful. I know the devil's powerful. I know the devil has strength and he has the wiles and he has, he is very deceptive and all of that. But you have a king who's defeated him. And you can defeat him too. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody say amen. amen. So number one, give me number one. We see our savior and his my. Then number two, write this down. We see our Savior and His message. We see our Savior and His message. What happens? John Baptist is arrested. John Baptist is arrested. Jesus shows up on the scene. It says in verse 14. Verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison... Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Somebody say amen. Listen, what's the word gospel mean? Y'all know. Everybody say it. Good news. 
What, what, what did the angel say? I bring you good tidings. Well, what's another word for good tidings? So could we say in a sense that the angel is speaking the gospel? What's the good news? What's the good news, sir angel? Well, the good news is there is unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, so what is happening with Jesus? He's coming into Galilee and he's saying, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, I got I got good news. I don't know if you've thought about it lately, but the gospel is good news. It's good news. Preacher, what is the gospel? Listen, here, here, just a, just a few things to write down. Write this down. It's a message. It's a message of forgiveness. Write that down. It's a message of forgiveness. You can be forgiven. The message of the gospel is this. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. Let me say it again, because some of y'all don't believe that, because you, you, you have such a problem because you know your history, you know your past, you know what you've done, and you can't figure out how in the world that a God in heaven who is so holy and so righteous and so pure and, and is so full of justice, how in the world could he see what you have done and see where you have been and see how you have lived and he could wipe that all away and forgive it? Let me tell you once more. The message of the gospel is a message of forgiveness. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He will forgive you. Let me show you. I'm not giving you my opinion. Let me show you what the word of God says. It says Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, talking about Jesus, through this man is preached unto you, say it with me, the, say it with me, the, first John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, all, everybody, even, 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 even fair of you out there, say it with me, he, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, and to cleanse us from preacher. What are you saying? I'm saying this, that if you will come to God and you will in a sincere heart and a real heart of repentance, say, God, I am sorry for my sin. I am sorry that I've offended a holy God. That holy God in heaven will do as he said in Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God can take your black sin and dip it in the red blood and it come out white as snow. This message is a message of forgiveness. He will forgive you. He will wash you clean. I mean, as pure as the driven snow. What goodness. Man, what a savior. Paul said it this way. Paul said it this way. Paul considered himself the chief of sinners. He considered himself the least of the saints because of all that he did. 
all of his, his, his brutality to the church, the early church. Y'all know what he did. He had people arrested. He had people killed. He stood at the feet of the people that stoned Stephen. They left their coats at his feet, which meant he authorized the execution. And he said, with all that, God saved me to make me an example that if God can save me, he can save anybody. Church, say amen. I tell people all the time, I can't tell you how many people I've witnessed to. And they said, oh, preacher, if I come in that, if I come in that building, the roof would fall in. In other words, that they're such a bad sinner that if they was to walk into church, the church would collapse. I said, we have reinforced steel girders because we want to reach the vilest of sinners. Say amen. I said, if you only knew who went to church with us. Say amen. In Barnwell County, in Barnwell County, there was two guys. One's in heaven now. Two guys that was in a bar fight probably two years before I met them. Two years before I met them. Just, just mean, the meanest guys. The meanest guys in Coleman County. One was named Paul Allen Owens. We call him P.A. Paul Allen Owens and the other was Johnny Atkinson. Johnny Atkinson had gave me my first experience with fighting roosters. <clears throat> I know what some of y'all are thinking. Listen, I went to visit his house. I went to visit his house. He had roosters tied like a leash on a dog. I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. We were sitting there. I was intrigued. I had one of the guys from the church there. He knew Johnny Atkinson. He was nervous about being there. But I wanted to reach Johnny Atkinson. Little did I know, he said, preacher, you want to see him go? I wasn't sure what that meant, but I wanted to see it. (laughs) I'll forego the rest of it. Are y'all with me? He starts coming to church, long hair. I mean, just a whole thing, just rough, rough. Man, I can remember him sitting on the second row and Paul Allen sitting on the back row. He never would. I, I'd never seen Paul sit anywhere but the back row. He said, preacher, you give it to him. I won't let him leave. Amen. <laughs> I had no idea that these two had history. Make a long story short, both of them got saved. Later on, I found out that just two years before they were in church, they was in a bar fight. Bar fight, show sure enough, get with it. Get with the program. I ain't talking about a little tussle. I'm talking about, a, you know, like in the movies, bar fight, where they're throwing people out windows and stuff. Paul had Johnny down on the ground with his hand on his neck, fixing to explain it to him. <clears throat> and he said, if you'll just let me up, I'll get my brother and we'll get out of here. Somehow, I don't know how this happened, but Paul said, okay, and went up. And Johnny come up with a knife and swung it at Paul. And his buddy, Paul's buddy, saw it and pushed Paul out the way. And Johnny cut him from the bottom of his ear all the way down almost to his shoulder blade. Needless to say, they had history. And now they're sitting in church every single Sunday. Why? Because I got good news. I don't care who you are. 
And I don't care what your background is. God will save you if you'll come to him. And all God's people see it. Now watch this, write this down quickly. I'm running out of time. The good news is the message. Say it with me. A, it's a message of forgiveness. Then write this down. I love this. It's a message of freedom. Freedom. Now we, 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 we know the verse. If the son shall make you free, ye shall be what? And what are we free from? I know we're free from the bondage of sin, right? Before we're saved, sin is controlling us. Our flesh has control over us. We, 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 we sin and, and, and we use this word, we can't help it. And there, there's a sense of truth to that because we're in bondage to sin. But there's something bigger. There's something bigger. What are we free from? Let me, let me show you what. Let me show you what the word says in Hebrew. And by the way, we're fixing to get into this because we're going through Hebrews on a Wednesday night and, and we're fixing to get to chapter number two. And that's just a hint. If y'all want to go into more detail about that and be a good Christian, be here Wednesday. <clears throat> Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. Look what it says. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, he is Christ. He also himself likewise took part of the same. In other words, God the Son became human. The Word became flesh. He partook of flesh and blood. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. That is the devil. That's the villain. He's the Savior. Now watch. Now watch. And, and deliver them. Save them. That's what that word deliver means. Save them. Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? Bondage. Preacher, what are you saying? I was studying up on death. I was studying up on death. The day that ye eat of this fruit, ye shall surely. That's the first time death is mentioned. Death came upon man. For all have sinned. Are y'all with me? For by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So because all have sinned, all are facing And do you know what the Old Testament scriptures give a title to death? It really does. It gives a title to death. It calls death. Now listen, listen, this is important that you get this. The king of terrors. It calls death the king of terrors. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with the word terror or not. But it means fear. It means afraid. And not just, not just, I'm afraid I have heartburn. I'm talking about a mortal fear. Terror is, is, we use the word terrified. 
and we, and we can use the term this, I was scared to. Does that make sense? Do you realize from Adam, from the time that sin entered, guess what else entered? Death. And because death entered, the fear of death, the king of terrors, that humanity, mankind has been in bondage, has been in slavery to that fear. If you will ask most people, their greatest fear is the fear of dying. And one, one of the strongest human instincts is survival. It has been recorded that man has done some incredible things as far as even cutting off their own limb to get away from being trapped so they could try to survive. Why? Because death is the king of terrors. And man has been in bondage. Man has been in slavery. Man has this fear of death and of dying. But oh, what a Savior who comes with good news and says you don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? He defeated it all. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be fearful anymore. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. You see, death is nothing more than a doorway from one place to another for the child of God. It goes from, uh, listen, from the sufferings of this earth to the paradise of God. From, listen, the, the turmoil and the difficulty of here because of a Savior who says, I've got good news. We can make it to a place called heaven. Church, say amen. Listen, just write this down and we'll get to three. We'll just skip this one. It's a message of a future. It's a message of a future. Quick, 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 quick. We got to get to the third point. What, 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 what? I didn't say flip yet. (laughs) At least let me quote the verse. John. Brother Doug, did they flip on you all the time? Good gracious. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. First Thessalonians 4, 16 is not in your notes. You ought to write it down though. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds, to be with the Lord in the air. So comfort one another with these words. Listen, when you go to a funeral, you're not saying goodbye to a child of God. If you're a child of God, you're saying, I'll see you in a little while. How can you say that? Because I got good news, buddy. He's given me a message of a future. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckoned me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Boy, I feel like singing. If I could, I would. (laughs) 
Oh, say amen. amen. Number three. Number three. We see number one. Yeah, I see you flipping. <clears throat> I'm going to get you now. What's number one? Some of y'all got to flip back because you ain't got no memory like me. Number one, the, the Savior and his might. Number two, we see the Savior and his message. How many of y'all are glad for the good news? Number three, write this down. We see the Savior and his method. The Savior and his method. You know, we're living in a time in a society where, where people are trying to come up with all kind of gimmicks to build a church. Trying to use marketing, this world's ideas. You know, it, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. I don't know if, if you remember what happened in the Old Testament, but the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant in a battle, right? They put it on a, 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 an oxen cart and, and, and stole it. The devil's crowd. Well, make a long story short, David came and defeated the Philistines and it was time to bring the ark back. And you know what he did? You know what he did? As dumb as can be. He didn't do it God's way. He did it the way the Philistines did it. And it caused somebody to die. Y'all, go study. That's what happened. And then when he did it God's way. Preacher, what's the point? There is a way to do things and there's a way not to do things. We don't need gimmicks. We don't need, we, listen, let's do it Jesus' way. You say, what's Jesus' way? Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. Look what it says. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting in at it. Now, by the way, by the way, he's already met these two. He's already met these two. <clears throat> Uh, he, they, they've already believed in him. If y'all remember, Andrew went and found his brother Simon and came to G- y'all with me. Said, I found him. I found him. And, and so they, they already know each other. They already are familiar with each other. They believe that he is the, the Christ, the Messiah. So Jesus goes back to find them. Jesus goes back to find them. Now, as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, say it with me, come ye after me, come, come, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets, man, that's obedience right there, and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Here's the thing. Here's Jesus' method of ministry. First, it includes two things. It includes an invitation. He said, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. He's inviting these men. He's inviting these men to join him. To join him in his mission. Listen. Salvation is an invitation. But it's not just an invitation to make it to heaven. 
It's an invitation to join him in his mission. He said, come. Come. To the thirsty, he says, I'm the living water. To the hungry, he says, I'm the bread of life. To those who have died in their hopes and their dreams, he said, I am the resurrection. He is saying, come. Come all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But more than anything, come. Come. If you've lived in discouragement, I want you to come. Today, if you have no hope, if you're wondering if there is is life beyond the grave, if you wonder if you could have a, a, a blessed life today, I want you to come. He's inviting you today. He says in Isaiah, I quoted it earlier, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come, come. If you're hopeless, come. If you're discouraged, come. If you're frustrated, come. If you're fearful, Come. He will deliver you from the fear of death. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. We see an invitation. But then we see this. Look what it says. Involvement. Involvement. He says, I will make you to become fishers of men. Some of y'all got your ticket to heaven and you checked out. Some of y'all looking at the four praying and it ain't time to pray. This ministry that Jesus has called us in, it's more than just making sure you get to heaven. He said, I will make you to become, say it with me. Come on, everybody. Say it with me. One more time. Have you been fishing? Have you been fishing? You know what I found out about the disciples? I'm just going to throw this in there. Now look at me. Look at me, everybody. Just because you filled in that last blank, I'm not through. Look at me. You know what I found out about the disciples when they didn't fish? You know what they did? They fought. You go study it. When they weren't concerned with souls, you know what happened when they went fishing? They came back rejoicing. We did this in your name and that in your name and this and this and that. When they did what they were supposed to do, they had great joy. But when they were busy with their own agenda, they were arguing and fussing over who was the greatest. You may tell you why churches split all the time and they fighting and they fussing and they arguing. They ain't fishing. Because when you stop being outwardly focused, you get inwardly minded and all you care about is yourself. Well, preacher ain't done this for us and the church didn't call me here and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't. You, 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 don't make me. When Pete went, listen, when disciples don't fish, they fight. He said, I'm calling you to become fishers of men. Are you fishing? Are you fishing? 
Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody up on the top. Everybody. When's the last time you had somebody sitting with you? Because you've been fishing. Who's in this church right now because you've been fishing? Who's going, <coughs> who's going to heaven because you've been fishing? It's not complicated. I need everybody to listen to me on this. The Great Commission, and I got to say it quick, we're late. The Great Commission is in Matthew 28. And it literally means this, as you are going, make disciples. Say it with me. In other words, as you live your life, make disciples as you're living it. Let me give you an illustration how that happens. Let me give you a real life, true story how that happens. Last week, last Friday, uh, my buddy from Georgia, who I preached for down in uh, Lake Park, Georgia, Calvary Baptist Church, he calls, he's preaching in Kentucky, and he's coming through. He said, hey, I'm going to be in town. Let's go play golf. I'm like, oh. I hadn't played golf in forever. It's going to be terrible. And I'm very competitive, and he's very competitive, so I was afraid I was going to lose. <laughs> and I did. <clears throat> I said, all right, all right, let, we'll go. And so we pile up and we go to a Coleman golf course. And we get in there, we're, we're on the, we're on the, uh, uh, I think it's the front nine there. And we've played about four or five holes and it's packed. There's people all in front of us. There's a kid behind us, about 19, 20 years old. And, uh, he's playing by himself. So, you know, if you're playing by yourself, you're way faster than the other people. And so he's just flying up. And I know he wasn't going nowhere because everything was packed in front of us and it was just me and Robbie. And I thought, I'm going fishing because I wasn't doing good at golfing. I said, hey, man, come play with us. Come play with us. He said, he said, all right. So he piles up. So I start the share, S-H-A-R-E, secular, home, attitude, religion, eternity. Go just go through, get to know him. Hey, man, what's your name? Where you from? I mean, the whole deal, we're talking. Few few holes later. Robbie looked, cause I preached all this, the share method and sharing your faith down in Lake Park. And he said, I know what you're doing. <laughs> and I said, man, I said, you mind if I tell you my story? He said, yeah, tell me your story. I told him my story. And he said, I said, I said, do you have a story like that? He said, no. I said, well, what's your story? He said, I ain't got one. I said, would you like one? He said, he said, is cussing a sin? <laughs> That's exactly what he said when I said that. I said, it all depends on who you ask. <laughs> I said, That's a good question. We can talk about that later. I said, Would you like a story? He said, Man, I sure would. I just got in the car. I quit playing, got in the car with him, riding. He said, You got in the wrong car. And I said, No, I'm in the right car. <laughs> so we took off. We get up to 17th green. He said, man, he said, can we pray right now? I said, we sure can. Let's let Robbie get up here. And so Robbie got up there. I told him what's going on. And he prayed and trusted Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? Did you go to the golf course to win somebody to Christ? I went to the golf course to beat the devil out of that buddy of mine. <laughs> but God revealed an opportunity. So I figured I'd do better fishing than golfing. Preacher, what are you saying? 
God wants to include you in his mission. He's called you not just to be saved and go to heaven, but he's called you to join him in the the mission of bringing souls unto God. Are you fishing? If not, let's get to it. Let's get to it. And all God's people say it.